You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. And we have one of the And uh, we want to remind everybody that we've got a a great lineup today. Let's shut that up. Okay, well, we we forgot to put the manual on and take the cue off, and sometimes you get the bear and sometimes the bear gets you. (laughs) It got me and it got all of us, I guess. But we have a very, very special guest on. If, If I was to say there was a kinder man in this hobby and business, I couldn't think of a, of a gentleman that's more of a gentleman than Dr. Fred Simeon. And uh, I agree. Fred has given so much of his time and just has a beautiful museum, and we are so delighted to have him on and be able to talk to Fred. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. How you doing, guys? Well, like uh, Jim said earlier, we're all vertical, so yep. uh, <laughs> at our age, and if you can still climb in a classic car, I guess you're in pretty good shape. Yep. So, I agree. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, it's been quite a year, and we're just going to kind of forget that and talk cars and have a little fun this morning. Okay. First thing I want to do is say your website, Fred, is phenomenal. And it just uh I could I could be entertained by it instead That's of watching what the purpose is. Yeah. A lot of nice short things that you can have fun with. Yes. Uh, and uh and come back and enjoy. Um so let, let let's talk about it a little bit. Uh you've got your car detective photo quiz and I think that's what, monthly? No, that's weekly. Weekly, that's right. And mm-hmm. tell us I'm going to let you talk about it because I flunk it all the time. <laughs> well, there's, you know, we want to appeal to all groups. As we're trying to figure out a way to get kids interested in classic cars, and that's a tough one. But there is a group of what I call um, car, car nerds, classic car nerds. And these are the type of guys who like to delve deep into a subject or have been reading all their lives. And, and we want to see if they can use that particular deep knowledge. So these are not questions like, when was the first Corvette built? These are questions that are based on pictures that no one else has, by the way. Uh, these are pictures that we got from various collections. And requ- we require them to name the car, the driver, the venue. And some of them are real good and can do it off the top of their head. And then we've had one of the many we've given which, that nobody got right. Oh, which one was that? Oh, uh, that was uh, Jack Dunphy was a uh, was a great uh, British one of the um, Bentley boys, right? And there's and then he was killed going over the side of the wall of Brooklyn. So there's a famous picture of him going over. But before that race, he he had married a beautiful British actress. I mean, this is really granular and deep, and probably I shouldn't have even put it in. Oh, so the no. picture showed him and a Speed 6 sit with her uh, beside him, and it was apparently taken in Brooklyn. So pretty much everybody got, uh, well, a lot of people got Jack Dunphy and, of course, the Speed 6, 
but she was a little too tough. She, she would have been the equivalent of, let's say, a Joan Crawford or somebody like that in the British world, which, of course, is is really arcane for the uh, United States. Yes. Oh, that that's beautiful. Now, help me here. You have a Speed Sixers. Yours are a four-and-a-half-liter blower, Bentley. Mine's a four-and-a-half-liter blower. Okay. I had experience in my youth with a Speed Six, and a friend, doctor of mine, ended up owning it, and we were at a vintage car race in the 60s at Elkhart Lake, and uh, he came in second to Voida Mashek's uh, portal-bodied Talbo Lago at the time. But that car, the Speed Six, was enormous. And, uh-huh. it, and if you compared it to the small little French coupe, which really wasn't a small French coupe, it was amazing. It's a wonderful car. It's a yes. wonderful car. Um, yeah, I, I know you guys like stories, so can I well, bore you with kind of an interesting story? Please. This is a story uh, hour, Fred. <laughs> okay. This is a true story, and it's documented in the book that about my collection called The Spirit of Competition. So anyway, this is a long time ago when I had very little money, but these cars were floating around. A gentleman had a car that I wanted very badly. Uh, he got it in a kind of his collateral, but he was a Bentley guy. And I said, what will it take? Because I didn't have as much money. What will it take for me to get that car? And he said, I want a... a, a, a a blower, a six liter, and an eight liter. Wow! A blower, a speed six, and an eight liter. Well, I was able to get a um, speed six chassis with you know with not a whole lot of money, uh, and I put a speed six body on it, which you could order from England, and they would come in a big crate, and you literally bolted it onto your chassis, and you had a fabric body speed six. Um, a friend of mine. Um, Actually, he was a collector out west. Decided to sell his collection um, because he was going to live on a boat. So he uh, sold his uh, blower to me. But I couldn't find an 8-liter. And so I finally convinced him that a Speed 6 was such a better car than an 8-liter that he should have two Speed 6s. And one of them we would do like a Le Mans car. And the one that I had already given him was a Vandom Paha replica. So we hemmed and hawed over this, and he finally agreed. I got another chassis, which you could pick up in those days for not many thousands of dollars. And we put on a, we made it a boy racer. Big, big, nice, interesting car. Came out nice with the screen over the radiator and the big tank in the back and all that. And so after working on this for four years, sweating it out, scraping together, I finally made the trade. Now, your question is going to be, what did you get? You guys ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. What did Pontoon you get? Pontoon Fender Testarossa. Oh, my. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and, and that's in my book. And, of course, we still have the car. Do you still, have you still got some books? Available, Spirit of Competition. Yes, yeah, yeah. You can get them on our website. Okay, and that's a that's a that's an interesting. There's a lot of 
in that book, and I didn't think this was going to be as proper as it was. I really wrote the book to talk about the theme, why, because a lot of collections are not thematic. Our theme is very strict. Sports racing cars that raced on the road and were the successes, the winners. So that's what I wrote the book about. Why did this particular car uh, enter the collection? And that by having them, we can display them chronologically and tell a story about the drivers and the cars and particularly the evolution of the sports cars. So that's what the book is about. But I found that the acquisition stories are really popular. People want to know how you, how the hell did you get this thing? You know, and, and that's fun. We had to sneak some of them out of foreign countries because they were national treasures and others we had to do like these crazy trades I just mentioned. Right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good book actually if you like pictures because it's just all Michael Furman pictures. Um, of these cars, which, and you know he's a mess. If you yes. know who that is, he's yes. a mess. Oh yes, cars. he did the um, Polo uh, Ralph Lauren collection. Right, he did mm-hmm. a, a book on those too. So right, mm-hmm. um, the so you did get an eight liter eventually. Oh uh, no, I, I convinced him to, to get the, the Tesserosa. Okay, he, he, instead of an eight liter, uh, I found another speed six. And as I said, one was a Vandenplaat body, and the other we made a boy racer. Yeah. <laughs> and he was very happy with that trade, because he wasn't a sports car guy. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. And and the way you have focused on your collection is, it, I, I mean, it's the only one. I don't. Yeah. I can't think of another one uh, in the world that's done like this. Um, okay, that's story number one. <laughs> if, if you, if, what's the second hardest of the uh, detective photo quiz? Um, I think the second hardest was um, we had a picture of. Um, does the name Fred Wacker mean anything oh, to you? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had eight a ball. picture of Fred Wacker and his Allard, the eight ball. And the tricky part of it is if you. I mean, a lot, most car nerds know Fred Wacker. Most of them recognize the Allard 8-Ball. So that was two questions they could get right. The third question was, how did he do? There's usually four per quiz. How did he do, and where was the race held? Well, if you looked at the background and you knew his history, uh, it wasn't Watkins Glen. Yeah. It was someplace else. So you had to figure that was. And we had 24 responses and one of them got right, got it right. It was a little track called Wilmot, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he won that race at Wilmot. And we had just from the photograph and the background where you could see some of the scenery. Uh, one guy nailed it. Uh, the other twenty-three either didn't get it at all or said Watkins Glen because he was famous, of course, for racing at Watkins Glen. Yes. Well, Wilmot Hills was actually a, a little ski resort in northwest of Chicago, if I remember rightly. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had a hill that was a blind hill, and uh, it, it, a prey is what was painted across the track <laughs> when you went up that hill. So, yes, I re- but that's been a long time ago because it's not a racetrack anymore. Um, okay. 
Is there any, well, you don't have to name names, but is there any one or two people that seem to ace most of these quizzes? Yeah, well, yeah, there is. There is one guy who has got most of them right, including that one, and then another guy who's got virtually all of them right, including that and the other one. And also, there's a there's a German and a Swiss who are have because re, remarkable because a few of these, like Fred Wacker, are really Americana. Yes, uh, you know. And, but we've also had, and we we had Fangio at the Carrera Panamericana. Obviously, we had uh, Joe Dawson, uh, who won the Annapolis. But you had to know who his co-driver was. That was pretty tricky. Um, but there, there are a few people who are. And you know, it's interesting. Like this particular one one fellow and his uh, other guy who was almost as good. Uh, they're also the first because we had, you know, we've had some where a lot of people got it right, but we award the the winner to the, the first one that comes in, and the rest are runners up. <laughs> That's great. The yeah, it's a lot of fun. These are pictures that I've never seen before that we've uh, we've uh, borrowed from our collections. So the library now has gotten very large. And yes. People hap- or happily will give their picture collections a because it's a charity and and b because they want them saved. You know. Yes. Um, tell our listeners because you have part part of the automobile reference collection from the Philadelphia Free Library now. Is that correct? Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's an interesting story. Uh, uh, I I had a um, when it when it. It came up. I showed them a card that I had. It was a, a calling card, which I had carefully wrapped in cellophane or celluloid. And when I was 14 years old, uh, I would uh, this the the director of the library, Free Library of Philadelphia, gave this to me at my request, and it said, "Please give Fred Simeone two uh, of your current sales catalogs because." When you're 14 and you go into a Cadillac dealer, uh, and I would actually get on the train with my parents not knowing it and go to New York and stop in the Rolls-Royce dealer. And they would give me two uh, catalogs, and I would keep one and give the other one to the Free Library. Um, Free Library was started by Thomas McKean in 1945, and uh, there, there were periodic donations. McKean was a collector, of course, to Thomas McKean, an antique car was uh, pre nineteen ten. I mean, there was a, there was a, uh, that was when people saw. That's when people started collecting uh, curb dash Olds or, uh, of course, the raceabouts were one of the very first sports Mercer raceabouts. Right, were one of the very first sports cars you could collect. So he accumulated a lot of wonderful stuff. The library found, and I hate to say it, it's got to be part of this conversation, but uh, I hate to say it, guys, but there seems to be less of an interest, particularly in early automobiles uh, uh, and in brass cars. Uh, There are rabid enthusiasts who love them and collect them, but their numbers are dropping, and I guess that's because of age. Uh, of the collector, and because um, 
the younger guys, uh, if they're interested in cars at all, of course gravitate to the collector bulls of the 60s and 70s. So anyway, that's a digression. What happened is the collection got generally um, less and less use, and um, the library needed the space for something else. So um, the interesting part about it was that the will, Thomas McKean's will said, if the collection is the accession, he would prefer that it stay in Philadelphia. Um, now, would, we, we would have been on the list anyway because there, there aren't many places there are that have a library. There's no other one in Philadelphia, and there's maybe only one major library on, along the whole East Coast. So, my heavens, uh, where else were they going to put it? Right. So it was a, it was it's massive and it's huge, and we got together with the AACA Antique Automobile Club of America, which is the oldest and largest American car club, and they're they're really great people, and they have a wonderful library, and we decided uh, together that the repair material, the instruction manuals, the shop manuals, things like that, should go there because. The AACA is mainly catering to its members who are still working on old cars and who are doing more mechanical work. Our typical customer is a writer, an author, um, sometimes a restorer often, uh, and also people who are interested in racing. So we acquired the foreign literature, the racing literature, and all the sales brochures. The reason the sales brochures were, were important is that little silly story I gave you uh, as, as how I started my own sales literature collection, which even before the um, acquisition of the free library was uh, maybe the biggest or one of the biggest. So wow. e- even the people at the AACA said, look, you take out what you don't have and then what's left over you give us or whatever. So we had a very nice relationship together. We split it up, and um, I think it's going to be a very uh, useful resource. And I think the AACA has a, really a, a way of perpetuating the hobby because of the membership that are still active. The only problem with their membership and my membership is we're getting older and older, and we're not getting replaced with younger guys that Either or, either, either organization. Fred, but both wanna, are good libraries for their various strengths. Fred, I want to interrupt you for one second. The one thing that we haven't done and and uh, really need to do, and that's give us your website. I want to every. Let's have a moment that everybody get a pen and paper, whatever you need, and then Fred's going to tell us exactly where we can go to get the information on his website. Uh, so, with that said, Fred, do you mind doing that, please? Sure, sure. It's simeonmuseum.org. So it's S-I-M-E-O-N-E, museum, all one word, dot O-R-G. And I encourage everybody to go to that website. I, as I said earlier, it's better than television today. <laughs> well, it, it's got about 40 is. or 50 little links that you can see. Anything from these quizzes to... Um, I did a piece 
a bunch of pieces on the American sports car that nobody ever heard of. Uh, that wasn't very popular. <laughs> People didn't click on it. And we've had interviews with car collectors, uh, uh, some drivers. It's a place where you go on and just go, you can go from one one uh, YouTube to the next. Um, and, and, and it's variety, but it's specifically about sports cars, sports racing cars. But there's enough general stuff in there that uh, people uh, find something that's up their alley. You know, one of the things that we have talked about, and and you just mentioned briefly too, was how do we get young people involved in the hobby and interested in the hobby and uh, going to your website as well as other websites. And this is so true on almost every show that we do and it's quite frankly it's frustrating the heck out of me and uh, you're the wrong kind of doctor i think i need one where i lay on the couch and uh, somebody analyzes what's left of it but anyway um, we have more educational power than ever in the world and yet our teachers our public schools and our even our private schools are not teaching history and not only are they not teaching about you know three pages dedicated to world war ii that's ridiculous but also they don't you know they don't even mention what i consider and that's why we're doing the show one of the most important assets to the united states and to the growth of the united states has been the motor vehicle be it a car a truck a trailer a uh 18 wheeler or whatever it is and they don't even mention it so how can a kid if he doesn't know about about henry ford or he doesn't know about chrysler or doesn't know the history of what has made this country great how can you start perking his interest until you can finally pick him up by the collar and sit him behind the steering wheel and say, you're going to learn how to drive a standard shift? Well, the problem with that is um, if, uh, if a third party were listening to this, particularly a long, young third party, he would say we're just a bunch of old fogies. <laughs> who, needs a stick, who needs a stick shift? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but... There are other there are other really significant things that in response to your question, uh, I, I had an experience the other day with a young guy. He was about sixteen, and we're going over an old car, and I was showing him the uh, how the distributor worked and how the distributor went to the coil and lit up the things, and so you know this is interesting. And I said, when I was a boy, I used to go in and tune up the car and make it run better, and he said, well. When I lift the hood of my car, all I see is a piece of black plastic. <laughs> yes. And if I don't have a computer, I can't do anything to it. So that, that, and that, reason number one is that the, the young guy is divorced from a, uh, a hands-on interest in his car. Number two, uh, if you start looking at cars from the maybe 80s or mid-80s when the cafe standards came in, and when Japanese cars gradually dominated the market, you start naming less and less hot eye cars that you would say, oh, boy, when I grow up, I want a Mustang or I want a, a Grand Am Pontiac. Uh, we don't have that much anymore. Uh, when you go down, you walk down the street now and you look at cars, even cars that are 20 years old, um, 
they have a generic jelly bean look. Uh, there are no fins. There's no chrome. There's no uh, excitement. I, I I wouldn't say it, it's a zero, but it's pretty low. I mean, you you could afford to have a a, a hot looking Mustang in 1965. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't have to be wealthy. In other words, nowadays the cars are generic, um, and they're getting more and more generic um, because. Uh, of the influence of um, electrification, which I think is a good thing, but uh, but I think there's we're devoting more and more time to the inside of the car. You know, somebody said the ideal car will be uh, and will have a computer in it, and they're devoting more time to the inside of the car. Apple wants to make a car, not because they're great automotive engineers, but because they could put wonderful devices inside. So all of these things are taking away from the car being a love object for youngsters, and uh, it's becoming more practical. You know, one of the, as my two boys were growing, one of the things that I taught them was about their cars. They had cars as soon as they turned 16, and uh, I told them, you know, I taught them how to change a tire. I taught them, you know, a little bit about under the hood, and uh, what parents are teaching their kids now is how to call AAA. And yeah. That's about it. And yeah. and that, yeah, and, and also the 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 repair of anything, the repair world is totally changed. Who takes off a part of a car now, let's say a fuel injector, and fixes it? Huh. And goes in there and takes it apart and cleans the jets and fixes it. No, you you uh, either toss it or send it back to the company, and and get put a new one in there. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's that, it's that, that whole idea of of um, repair has changed a great deal. Yeah, but you you touched on a subject earlier um, about brass cars, and uh, unfortunately, Steve's not with us today. He's on the Model A tour, but. Uh, he has a brass car. He's very active in the Horseless Carriage Club, and he was also on the board of AACA, and he was on the youth committee. And it's really difficult today to get those people, young people, interested in that. But brass cars, although they be primitive, to me are some of the most unique and unusual because they didn't have electric starters. There's no key. You crank it, and in the winter time, you had to put boiling water on them to get them started. So, with that thought, I am going to take a break with David and Fred. We'll be right back with you. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. I've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. And I want to remind everybody that America's Web Radio has so many fantastic shows on regarding veterans, uh, past, present, and future heroes. And if you're graduating senior or a graduating senior from college and you haven't made up your mind what you want to do, we highly suggest that you take a look at the military. Uh, there are more opportunities there. And just as we were talking about the antique car hobby and business, you know, you can even learn a trade in the military that will teach you how to work on cars. And it's just incredible what, what the military is doing today. And if you're in Georgia, we recommend that you go to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Uh, Colonel Rick White is the director, and he has done just absolutely a fantastic job. Uh, Rick's a good friend, and I should say Colonel retired, but Rick's a good friend and does a fantastic job. Today, it's beautiful in Atlanta, and we also recommend that you go to the Johns Creek Memorial Healing Wall, which is a replica of the Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C., that toured all over the United States. Atlanta is getting to be known as a veteran center, and we invite anyone that's traveling to Atlanta or lives in Atlanta that you haven't seen some of these things, please go to them and take a look. And even our military has to thank Henry Ford and and all the rest of the folks that chipped in during World War II and how important it is to go to some of the military museums and see some of the equipment that uh, we didn't know we needed, but we they made it and we got it. And uh, so with that being said, you're listening to America's Web Radio, the classic car show, and we've got the gentleman's gentleman on, and that's Dr. Fred Simeon. And, Fred, thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, let me let me ask, I, I, I'm, I'm coming to your town. How do I find you? Coming up, say, from Georgia where you are, a lot of the uh, trip is going to be on I-95, and we're just about two or three minutes off of I-95, exit 14, and that's just as you pass the Philadelphia International Airport. It's the first exit past the International Airport. Once you leave the exit, um, you have a GPS, uh, you're about three or four or five minutes away. Um, If you're coming from north, uh, the same thing, you'd probably come down I-95. Locally, it's pretty easy because the uh, street that the car is on connects with other streets that come indirectly from Center City. So it's pretty easy to find in the day and age of the GPS where they have this thing uh, folded up. It's called a map. 
and uh, you can you can actually find one. You might have to go to an antique store, and, and it'll be on there too. Oh my, oh Fred, I, I'm still wearing my Lone Ranger mask. Do you, do you think that covers it, <laughs> Fred? Are you able to open the museum at all to the public provided? Yes, uh, that's only been recent, though. That's only been about three weeks, and we're limited to 25 um, uh, at a time. Uh, You have to have your temperature taken, wear a mask, uh, and keep social distancing. Uh, they, They increased it to 50 because it's such a big building. It's almost 100,000 square feet, so... The bigger the building, the the you know the more likely you are to social distance. Um, now the only problem is recently they're thinking of, of making more restrictions. We had an event um, scheduled or an award ceremony, and uh, the people canceled it. They said we can't have the award ceremony because it'll be too many people, and they just changed the rules. We're going to almost no in school. Uh, education in Philadelphia starting next week. I don't think you'll, you know, there'll be any in-school education, particularly at the high school and, and grade school levels. Wow. So um, it's there- a problem. I mean, when you think about it, we've had no events. Events meaning um, charity uh, balls or uh, you know manufacturers meetings, kind of things guys like to go to where they can look at some cars, sit down, have a dinner. Uh, that used to keep us alive, really. We've had none of those. Uh, the front gate has been uh, minimal. We've always had exhibits that we, we, you know, you have to change your content. You want people to come back. We always had exhibits, and there was no reason to have them if people couldn't come. Right now we have a child's car exhibit, which is really fun. Uh, we've got we have child cars from 1912 up to uh, uh, you know the 50s and 60s. Like, like the little pedal cars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we call them people call them pedal cars, but a lot of them have electric and even little Briggs and Stratton motors. Uh, but some of them are cute. Some of them are very special. I mean, we have some uh, like a Ferrari Testarossa, uh, which was made by, by the Scaglietti factory in the 50s uh, and that's a real desirable one we have the famous baby Bugatti that everybody knows um, uh, Mr. DuPont who's a friend of the museum gave us the DuPont child's car that his dad had made for him so we have a bunch of stuff like that but you know with, with such little attendance and the other thing is people even though we can take uh, a few people some of them are afraid to come anyway, not because they're restricted, but by, by choice. Now, I think when somebody says, well, the, vir- the, the virus problem is cured, I don't think people are going to be rushing back into places where they congregate, because there's a certain amount of fear that, that uh, lingers, uh, particularly if you're older and particularly if you're worried. Uh, uh, there's a 1% chance in the back of your mind, you're just not going to go. So I think it's going to take a while to recover after the virus is not considered a, an epidemic. Fred, I know that you, uh, you're you technically oriented, and I know that you have a, a full-time um, 
webmaster and so forth. Are you doing, and, and I apologize for not knowing the answer to my own question, but are you all doing any of the Zoom-type stuff or like your your child car uh, display? Are you doing it on Zoom or having anybody well, walk through and explain what this and that is? We, we have a, what we call a virtual tour. And um, that's that rather than Zoom, that's just packaged kind of like a YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you can find that. For any meetings we have, we Zoom. For instance, tomorrow we're going to have an interesting meeting from a place called the Art Center. You probably know who that is. They're the they're the organization in Pasadena that's responsible for training the majority of car designers that are that are in Ford, GM, Chrysler, and they've been. Uh, the, the great names of design have been going there. It's a very desirable place to be. And they are, uh, they are honoring, they periodically honor a great designer. And they're honoring Pete Brock, who designed the Cobra Daytona Coupe. So we're going to Zoom a, um, uh, a situation where Pete talks to us, uh, and we, as he talks to us, we have the car there. And we'll point to the spoiler and we'll point to the various curves uh, that Pete decided. And, and that kind of stuff is all on Zoom. But it's converted from Zoom to uh, a more permanent format, and then it becomes archived. Right, right. Uh, would you do me a favor and have your uh, IT person, uh, in fact, I think he talked to my IT person yesterday. He did. Uh, mm-hmm. Would uh, you have him send us announcements on or you or somebody send us announcements and we have about a our uh, Facebook list is about 50,000 now and uh, wow. we'd like to put it out for you and and uh, remind people of the Simeon Museum yeah okay well, I'd love that we need we need every little bit of a of a PR that we can get Fred your once a week newsletter um is that consistent? Are you, are you still able to do that once a week? Because I'm not getting it all the time. No, uh, we we changed uh, we changed that format a bit because uh, we had the opportunity to do these little vignettes. What we found is if we if we do a, a longer piece, um, it the attention span of any of the viewers isn't. Great. So we rather put on two or three minute things, three minute tops, where where they can follow a certain thought or a certain theme. Um, and the newsletter is really uh, we wait till we get enough interesting news to that people will want to sit down and read something a little longer. Good. But so I have to talk to Will about how we can regularize that. Now we do regularize the quiz, the quiz, which is always once a week. Right. Um, and uh, you know the newsletter is um, it, it, it's not you see the, so much of what we do is historical, but it's not news. It's just historical. Right. Um, we we could do things like one. Peterson has an interesting thing where they have car shows. We have not been a car show people because car shows generally. Uh, have appealed more to the uh, classic car guy, the 
limousine guy, the guy who uh, uh, went to have his fully restored car on exhibit. In fact, Peterson just had a uh, virtual uh, car car show uh, where people submitted um, videos of their cars, and then then we we were uh, 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 so called experts who voted on it. We're we're more interested in uh, ours. Ours is a little more gritty. We're interested in the unrestored car, the race car, how it runs. Um, you'll see a lot of images. A lot of movies of us taking our cars out on our little track in the back, um, and we want to we want to be a little bit more participating, and we're not uh, at all upset if the cars get dirty, um, and we like to have their noises uh, easily available to the viewer, and that's why we take that more of that approach. Yeah, I uh, think your nine seventeen noise is the best. That is just yep. incredible, yeah. that car. Uh, Funny you mentioned that. I think it's this morning. Um, uh, I forget. But anyway, we're streaming uh, um, an educational uh, uh, program to kids, uh, and we're using the cars as an example of STEAM education. You know, I don't think there's any object that has more science, technology, and engineering. They've added art for the A in STEAM and math. I don't think there's any object that has more of those involved. So our director of education, Rick Adams, um, gives uh, seminars for the kids, which are broadcast. They're broadcast live and then archived as well. And he takes a part of the car and then tries to match it with the, the science or technology or even math uh, of the of the car to the kids. Wow! So that's been uh, that's we just started that. We if you go on, you'll see several programs that, that Rick gave about you know how to make a battery out of ice cubes and things. But they were pretty crude, um, just because we were experimenting with them. We now have a a, a real a kind of a, an official type video complement with proper uh, uh, video cameras and and lighting and all. So the, we're going to upgrade that service. Fred. But I know that it's scheduled for a Saturday, either this one or the next Saturday. Fred, on... on you can go, go online and find that. On your website, do you or will you take donations for the museum? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> That's like... Uh, you know, and the same I, same I, way I, we are with the radio station. Uh, we yeah. will take donations. Yeah, yeah. Would I? Would, would you? Would I? Would you like me to drive, ride your uh, drive your Ferrari? Uh, <laughs> I talk about a rhetorical question. Of course. Uh, okay. We, well, we need that because right now we have uh, essentially zero income, and I will never fire our staff because we're a family. I mean, it's really a family. Uh, uh, it's a small staff, but but I mean, we got our curator is is truly remarkable. I guess everybody loves the curator, but in one day, uh, he's worked on our 1907 Renault Grand Prix car, uh, and then a few minutes later, he was working on the 917 Porsche, and wow. he can 
he, he just understands everything in between. Okay, folks, so get out your checkbook, whether it's $5 <laughs> or 5000 and uh, let's keep one of the greatest car museums in the country. In the world. In the world. Yeah. Going and blowing, and uh, it couldn't be to a nicer person that the museum is named after, and uh, he has done a world for the for your hobby and your business if you're into classic cars. And um, the Simeon Museum, yeah, you want to give us your address right quick, Fred? Sure. Simeon, S-I-M-E-O-N-E, Museum. That's all one word, simeonmuseum.org. And your address? 6825 Norwich, N-O-R-W-I-T-C-H, Norwich Strasse, Philadelphia, PA, 19153. And also on the website, it tells you how to donate as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, uh, Fred, we want to, you know, thank you so much for coming on today. Any uh, parting words or advice to uh, get kids interested and keep the hobby going for everybody? Well, I think uh, one thing uh, that I can see, one of the one of the um, uh, concours has uh, judges under 30. They have a separate group of judges under 30. That's a good thing. Uh, getting kids to actually see the cars run, which we figure is the most important thing that we as a museum can do. is uh, we, we demonstrate the cars every Saturday to get them to see that they're living things um, because um, now they're regarded as museum cars are regarded as statues. Uh, let the kids see that they run and then inspire them to uh, maybe find something that they could could work on and, and be hands-on with. You know, find a car from the 80s or 90s and maybe if they have a good dad work on it together. That's that's a typical story of how you make a motorhead. Um, and I, I just hope that they understand that. I mean, you know, if they like baseball, which we all did, football, um, motorsport is a form of sport in which you can become hands-on. Uh, that's what you have to let them know. And Well, I just want to say one thing, Fred, and it's, it's one word. You share. You share your cars you share the museum, but you also share your literature collection, and yeah. that's that's the difference between you and most of the other museums in the world. And that's that's you know to be appreciated. We're very proud of our relatively new librarian. His name is Ryan Bollinger, and you can access him very easily. Ryan, the full-time librarian, and the interesting thing about him which is very germane to this conversation, is his dad was a model car, model, uh, had a hobby shop. Oh. Focusing on car models. So Ryan is 25. You can talk to him about Hupmobiles, <laughs> about uh, Page Detroit, about Durant's, as well as modern cars. Uh, and so where do you find a guy like that? Yes. Uh, be- because our literature collection... Uh, covers a, a huge span, and he talks the talk. 
Wait a, wait a second. You ask a question, I can answer finally. You find them at the Simeon Museum. Well, yeah, okay, but in the rest of the world, we were lucky to find him. Um, and that and that makes a big difference, too. Yes. Uh, he's, uh, I'm sure, taking care of all of the new things that you've gotten from yeah. Philadelphia Library. He's he's busy. He puts he puts in ten hour days and uh, loves it. Wonderful. Any other thoughts, memories, or? And no, I just I just hope that um, people will ultimately have cars morph into the academic world the way furniture has, and of course, art was always uh, something that you figured you really ought to go see. Uh, furniture is now in most museums. The car is still stuck in that neverland between a hobby and an art form. And I hope over the ensuing years that it swings to where people will want to put it on their bucket list as to see these old cars and maybe figure out what they're about. Fred, I got one more question to ask. Um, well, maybe it's two questions. But the first one is, will you come back and visit with us? And the second one is, will you come back and visit with us more? <laughs> well, yeah, this is this is fun. And uh, I think it's good for the museum uh, to let them know that we exist. We're sometimes thought of as a hidden treasure. And you guys are fun and interesting. And uh, just stop me if I gab too much because... I, uh, you know, I don't want to dominate the show with a lot of personal talk, but other than that, I enjoy it. Yeah. You know, no, I tell you, we, uh, as I mentioned to you when we were talking before the show, um, we do a lot of shows about veterans, everything from World War II, which there are fewer and fewer veterans uh, left. But, uh, you know, through Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And, you know, what we find, and I always kid whichever veteran happens to be on, that, you know, can you name one person that has or can tell one story as a veteran? And uh, you can't. Once you get a veteran cranked up, he's going to tell you about 40 different stories or 110, which is great. But that being said, it's exactly what we're talking about here. That and this is why at one time we had really tried pushing the the grandparents museum tour and the and how important it is for that grandparent to take your book or any other book on classic cars, sit that grandchild, be it girl, boy, on his knee and flip through the pages of the pictures and if if you can if they can't go to the museum at least sit with them and tell them the stories about well my my grandparents used to have a car just like that and they'd heat up bricks cuz there weren't any heaters in the cars back then they'd heat up bricks and uh put the bricks in the car if they were in the winter time traveling someplace and that was the heater or we used to uh have a spare tire that nobody knew how to put on the car, but if we ever had a flat, we'd figure it out. And, uh, you know, just we've got to get that. We've If if you've got a, a grandchild, just get them on your knee and talk about cars. 
and talk about what your parents did and what their parents did. And, uh, you know, I think that's the greatest way to get them interested. Yeah, and there's nothing like, really, nothing like taking them to the museum and seeing them uh, in action or uh, even just seeing the style and design and learning about what racing was. And, you know, how many times have you been walking through your museum and uh, a child will be there and, well, what is that thing? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a car. You'd be surprised. We have a couple little boys who, um, they, their parents did exactly what you said, bought a copy of the book, and one kid I'm thinking about, Liam, he's now five, but when he was four, after looking at the book, he could name every car in the museum because that's what he did at night. He would look at the pictures, and then he could at least know the name. So this kid knew launches, you know, uh, Alphas, Bugattis, Ferraris, and he was four years old. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And, and yet, you know, it's uh, and certainly not putting down the book, but it's one thing to look at a picture. It's another thing to smell it or look at it and touch it and touch it or just look at it and like it's like it's your long lost cousin or something. Yeah. Or listen to it run. Yeah, that's that's I mean, that's the amazing thing. Fred, when David started talking veterans, it reminds me Curtis LeMay had all those races at all the sack bases throughout the United States. Um, Are any of the cars that you have there, have they competed in a sack race? Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, some of the cars started. We have an Allard that... um, was in early sack races. Okay. The, the, the cars that we've collected generally are cars that were winners of major races because our museum is set up. The busy, busy, biggest exhibit is Le Mans, right. which is 10 cars. Sebring is another exhibit, Targa Florio, Melamilia, Watkins Glen, Brooklyn's, Nürburgring. These are exhibits, and so the cars that are in those exhibits all raced at those venues and because of the my idea was if you're going to have a car and keep it and put it in the museum it should be top of the line so the cars that are in those exhibits are uh, cars that won won those races so that makes it tough uh, you know um, local airport races and things like that are important and a lot of big winners and great cars started out there. But the criterion we generally use is the cars that have the most stories are usually the, the, the winners. Yeah. Fred, uh, speaking of veterans and active duty, uh, I'm sure you welcome them to the museum all the time. Oh, yeah. They, they, they get in at, uh, I think they get in at uh, one-third the price. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you, because... Yeah. Uh, we are very much involved, like I said, with veterans and active duty. I'm, I'm very proud of a son that's a major in the Air Force. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got to support our veterans. Just like, you know, they've got some stories, too. And, uh, you know, some of the mechanics from Vietnam and, and uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm, I'm talking about some stories of uh, they took nothing and and 
made it run, you know. And mm-hmm. there's a, it, it's just incredible. And so, thank you for giving a giving a veteran and or a, or active duty a, a break. Oh yeah, they they get in just for. And and if they don't pay, they don't pay. No, they get in for uh, four bucks. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's the yeah. best bargain in the country right now. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, your preservation book. Are there any copies of that available? That kind of uh, sold out. I'm afraid. Are you going to reprint it at all? Do you think? Um, yeah, I. I uh, we've been battling that. Um, you know what happens is. I've deliberately tried to keep it away from the how to do it uh, book because that would be another book uh, twice or three times as long. The purpose of the book was purely um, um, academic in the sense of why you should preserve a car, what are the criteria, and and what you should... In other words, it was the reason that you would preserve a car that was in good shape, having survived many years of good care or or even neglect, but, but kind neglect, and then keep it that way. So that was the story of the book, this, about the stewardship. To add to it uh, and start getting involved in leather management and all that, that would be another much larger book, and the world doesn't need that as much as they needed a book that just described the fact that, hey, guys, it's okay if you find a nice car in the barn and you can clean it up and polish it up and make it run, uh, leave it that way. And nowadays, uh, that's become very popular. And uh, those cars, actually, if, you ever, if you're lucky enough to find a well-preserved car, uh, you, you'll get a lot more attention Fred, at a show or ever. I hate to interrupt you, but we're out of time. And I want to thank you again for coming on today on short notice. But we're going to have you back many, many times in the future. So thank you again, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Fred. We enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.